Hi, I'm Arnav Rastogi, and this is Satvik Srinivas. And together, we are co-hosts of the Backfield Rift. Thank you for tuning in. In this episode, we're going to recap what was quite an eventful week two of football and look ahead to what might just be the best week of football for the entire year. Who knows? Who knows? But there are some. There are a lot of good games on this schedule. With that being said, let's get right into it. Yeah, I think we have to start off with the Chiefs-Ravens Sunday night game. I'm going to be honest, I did not see that coming, but I, saw, I learned a lot about that Ravens team in that win. Hey, I have been telling you, I told you last week, I tell you again this week, the Chiefs are a beatable team. And I told you, if you run the hell out of that ball and control the clock like the Ravens did, I think time of possession was 36 minutes uh, for the Ravens to 24 minutes uh, for the Chiefs. And, you know, Lamar made some timely throws. Uh, he did throw two interceptions, but to Lamar's point, he made the throws when it mattered, right? That jump pass to Marquise Brown, right? Uh, clutch throws to Mark Andrews. He stepped up when it mattered, and the Ravens just grounded and pounded. Tyshawn Williams came up clutch. Devontae Freeman came up clutch. And, of course, your boy Lamar Jackson came up clutch. For sure, for sure. And, and you heard about this. You know, the Chiefs, as you, as you keep saying, they, they are a beatable team. I've never said they're not a beatable team, but again, hey, that, that was not something I expected. And I think the biggest takeaway for me, right, both teams made mistakes. But at the end of the game, the Ravens were able to go down the field, execute, and just put points on the board when it mattered most. And we did not see Cleveland do that. And I know this is not about Cleveland, but at the end of the day, right, if you want to beat Kansas City, you're going to be down at some point, And you've got to be able to go down the field and take the lead. And I, I saw Lamar Jackson and the Ravens be able to do that. And that that was that's a distinction for me, right? That's when you know that you're a real football team, you're competing, you can be one of the best teams in the league. And that's the potential that this Ravens team does have. Yeah, and talk about confidence on that fourth and one call where Lamar goes for it and he just runs the ball, right? Um, I think the Ravens team knew exactly what they're doing. I think there was never a moment in the game where they felt like they were out of control. Uh, in this game they went into the game and even though they were down 11 uh, 12 points at some time they were down two scores at many points of the in the game they always felt like okay you know we score here get this stop and score again we can do this like they're always confident in their ability to get right back in the game and that confidence that Ravens culture uh, from the start of the game when Ray Lewis came onto the field to hype everyone up it was there in MNT Bank Stadium uh, on Sunday yeah, and if there's one thing I did notice that, you know, it might not be the biggest thing in the world, but in terms of Lamar's progression as a quarterback, I saw some plays last night where, you know, a lot of times where mistakes happen, right? You're trying to do too much. And we saw that, you know, with even Patrick Mahomes in the same game, you know, trying to do too much, not just living to see another down, throwing the ball up, getting intercepted. There were plays where, you know, it's a sick second and eight, something like that. And Lamar just takes that check down, just keeps the chains moving. And that's such an undervalued trait. And we see guys like Tom Brady. It's just second nature, right? Yeah. Don't even think about it. You see the check down, take the check down. And I think that it's 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 underrated, but it's really something that can take your yeah. game to the next level. Just be able to get first downs. Yeah, and, and if you need any evidence of that, just watch Zach Wilson on Sunday against the Patriots. Just watch what he did, where he just forces the ball 10 yards downfield when 
he has a check down option open. And that resulted in him throwing four interceptions and the Jets losing by 20 plus points. So if you ever need uh, some evidence as to why taking the check down and just, you know, taking those easy passes is ever a necessary trade for a quarterback, you just watch rookie quarterbacks like Zach Wilson and you'll see it. Yeah, absolutely. And again, the biggest takeaway, right? I have so much respect, so much admiration for what Lamar was able to do in that game. And I don't want to keep going back to the Browns, but that's what I want to see from Baker too, you know, put the team on your back. And it's not fair to say that Baker was kind of the reason they lost or anything like that. You know, Baker played a phenomenal game week one, but again, I want to see that, you know, and we talked about this, you know, Chiefs, right? Browns are about to see themselves again sometime in the postseason. I cannot about to, but there's a good chance. I'll say that. I want to see Baker put put the team on his back, man. I want to see that. And we know for sure Lamar can do that. I want to see that from Baker too. Right. I, I think the Ravens Chiefs game also is a great segue into a lot of things we saw around the league, right? We have these, you know, there was once this notation that there were a lot of unbeatable teams in this league. Oh, you have the jugger, these juggernauts like Kansas City and the Seattle, right? But I think across the league week two, we saw the fact that the league is much more balanced, right? You you watch games like the Raiders Steelers. No one saw the Raiders going into Heinz Field and winning, right? You talk about with what the Steelers did to the Bills week one. You really think that the Raiders were going to go into Heinz Field and beat the Steelers, right? Um, you talk about the Browns-Texans game, right? That was a pretty even game until about the third quarter, right? The Texans shocking everyone, staying in games against the Browns. So, and and I know you want to get to this one, Titans-Seahawks. What a game. I guess I'll concede the fact that you are now 2-0 in underdog picks and I am 0-2 with the Colts losing to the Rams. But really, get in, let's get into this game, Sabe, because it was an exciting game. The Titans, down 16, went into Seattle and came back. What a win for Mike Babel's crew. Yeah, and, you know, I just had that feeling. I knew the Titans were a better team than what they sh- showed week one. Again, I, I don't know what I was thinking, picking them to go into Seattle and pull this win off, but – I saw so much from that team. And I think the biggest thing I want to take away, right, their identity as a football team, running the ball, trusting in Derrick Henry, even when you're down, you know, two possessions on the road in Seattle, coming out in the second half, they didn't defer to, oh, holy crap, we got to start throwing the ball now. We got to turn into this downfield attack team. No, they kept going back to Derrick Henry, even even when it wasn't working, right? If it was only a two-yard run, a three-yard run, because Seattle was selling out to stop the run. But it's kind of that probability game you play when you're running the ball, right? One of these times, he's going to break free. He's going to make a big play happen. And you just have to keep getting the best player on your team the ball, and good things are bound to happen. And maybe we didn't see that week one, right? They kind of got away from the running game, and that kind of led to the score piling up. Mistakes happen. But against Seattle, the biggest takeaway for me, they stayed true to who they were. They kept getting the ball to Derrick Henry, and that's one of the reasons they ultimately won the game. Right. And you look at the difference between that and the Cardinals game, right, where you saw Derrick Henry's usage decline as the game went along. Right. And, you know, I was watching that game 30 to 16. I got scared. Right. Because based on what I saw against Arizona, oh, my God, they're down 
16. I think they're just going to start, you know, going empty backfield, just snapping it to Ryan Tannehill and letting him throw the ball and see what he can do. Right. No, they learned from their mistake, which was you'd never go away from your identity. Like they did against Arizona and, and they kept running the ball, running the ball, running the ball. Guess what that did? That opened up the play action game, right? You're seeing, you saw Julio go off for 128 yards. They finally, you know, they finally found some sense of home in this Titans offense, which was great to see. And, you know, just the fact that the Titans were able to still, you know, do what they do best, which is ground and pound and let that get them back into the game. That gives me confidence moving forward that they'll be able to do that. And going into Seattle out of all places and doing that in CenturyLink Field, that was, it was an amazing win. And if, you know, the Titans do go like on a win streak, I think this is the perfect win to spur that. Right. And the other thing, you know, that Titans defense, it wasn't pretty at times. You know, there was that play in the second half, it's complete breakdown defensively, receiver running wide open. But for the most part, the biggest thing I took from that game, and even on both sides, from Seattle and Tennessee, there was just so much physicality on defense, just flying to the ball. You know, there's a difference between third and six and third and four. And that's that's just defenders rallying to the ball, making a tough tackle. And really in the second half, other than that one long touchdown, Tennessee was just keeping Seattle in front of them, not doing anything crazy, and just playing to see another down, right? The, the, the way this kind of works in this league, you know, the offense can get 10 yards at will, but to be able to get 10 yards and put that into like seven, eight first downs, march down the field, that's a different ball game. So it's not the end of the world for a defense, you know, if you give up a 10 yard play, but you have to keep putting pressure on them, keep them in front of you. Just don't give up that big play. Ben, don't break, you know, stopping them for a field goal. That's a win. These are the kind of things I just saw with Tennessee, the second half, especially where I saw the game plan change really kind of keep Russell Wilson in the pocket. Don't let him do anything crazy. Get the ball out. And I just saw a lot of good from Tennessee. Um, I was really impressed with what I saw. I'm glad they came through for me with that pick, but I like Tennessee. And then just one last thing I want to say too, I want to shout out Michael Pruitt. The dude can play. I, I did not see that coming. He made a lot of big time catches, another physical player. That's kind of the theme of the game, you know, with Tennessee, so much physicality, offensive line, Derrick Henry. I like Tennessee, man. I like them. Yeah, definitely. Titans, the Titans putting Johnu Smith in the uh, rear light with Michael Pruitt now. (laughs) Love to see it. Um, And, you know, just continuing on this team of just how balanced of a league is, uh, we got to look at this Minnesota-Arizona game. What, first of all, what a game. That was an incredible game to watch. Um, I was, I was split screen. I had Minnesota and Arizona on one. And I had the Titan Seahawks on one. I was trying my best to keep up with both of them. Uh, but, you know, you, you would expect Arizona coming home off a great Tennessee win to just absolutely blow the brakes off of Minnesota. And you can honestly say Minnesota had control of that game for a good portion, uh, like three, three, three and a half quarters. They had control of that game. And it was just a back and forth, back and forth offensive battle. What did you see out of these two teams? Out of it? The biggest thing, well, well first of all, in the first half, secondary-wise, I saw a lot of just just what happened kind of plays. <laughs> and I think that's sort of a theme across the league, really. I've been seeing, you know, a lot of just plays where defenses just kind of fall asleep. You know, we saw uh, Travis Kelsey, that big play. I talked about the Seahawks. We've seen a couple plays. Um, 
no need to need to talk about the Cowboys secondary. <laughs> but, hey, man, hey, man, all I'm going to say is just don't, don't even need to talk about it. They're playing the Eagles. You know, let, let's just see Jalen Hurts yeah. this week. Let, let's see him ball out. Yeah, and that's not a shot. I know Trayvon Diggs doing all right. I'm seeing him. I'm seeing him make plays. But um, for the most part, right, first half, it was offensive story of the game. But then the defense has sort of clicked in. I guess my – I don't know how valid this is, but – you know, when you're coming back early in the year, maybe the offenses have an advantage there because, you know, you know the plays you're running. Defenses are still trying to get themselves together, get them situated. We see these kind of breakdowns on defense. But at the end of the day, you know, you got to get that out there and execute. Both defenses did do that in the second half. We saw scoring come down. Um, Again, Kyler Murray made some mistakes. But he's, he's a special quarterback. But, again, not perfect. Biggest takeaway – Minnesota's a good football team. <laughs> That's the other thing I uh, would have to say. Well, what'd you see? No, definitely. I saw the fact that Kyler Murray is the third best quarterback in the league right now behind Brady and Mahomes. I think that's certified. You're talking about a dude that was falling away and just dropped it to Christian Kirk for a touchdown. As soon as I saw that, I, mean, I got up and I had to take a lap around my house because that was just an incredible play. And, you know, you talk about just these dynamic offenses, right? Watch, like, the last five minutes of the first half. There were, like, there were at least 21 points scored in the last five minutes of the first half. Like, absolutely insane. It was just Minnesota goes down the field. And then Kyler finds Rondell Moore for 77 yards. And then Minnesota gets the ball back with one minute, 30 seconds. They go down the field. Like, it was just an incredible offensive showing. And, what I really like about football is that, you know, for all this offense, when it comes time at the very end of the game, defenses show up. Right. And I was just watching, you know, Minnesota's defense. I was watching a bit of tape at, uh, for how they played at the end of the game. And it's so evident the impact that Patrick Peterson is having on the secondary. Um, in the second half, he was able to lock up DeAndre Hopkins. I think he limited him to maybe one or two catches. Um, and so what Minnesota said is that, all right, let's just put you on an island because you're doing amazing against D-Hop. And guess what we get to give our rookie corner? Safety help. And it helped tremendously in the fourth quarter. It helped tremendously in the fourth quarter when the Cardinals are driving. They get a stop. Cardinals have to settle for a field goal. Moments like those or why you brought Patrick Peterson in, that ripple effect towards your other corners, right? Your other corners, you, you get your number one guy, it makes number two and number three better. And that was so evident on Sunday. That's, that's one of my biggest takeaways. But, you know, 100%, I would say that Minnesota came to play. If I had to give one takeaway, Minnesota came to play. And once again, just the broader theme that we saw in week two of what a balanced league it is. There's no bad teams there's no unbeatable teams a lot of these teams are extremely balanced and anyone can come in on any given Sunday and win another game I definitely want to bring up today what happened to your Saints Arnav what happened you know it's perfect actually because it goes right with you know what we were talking about here look the Saints we thought they were this amazing team gonna give the Bucks a run for their money in the division you were even saying Super Bowl contenders. Hey, hey, that that was you. That's not a we. Please, please, don't, <laughs> please don't put me in that. Um, but you know the Panthers came in. They just balled out. 
they just balled out. It just goes to show that, you know, any team can come in and win on any given Sunday. The Panthers pass rush was too much for the Saints uh, offensive line scheme. Uh, I don't know what the game plan was going into Sunday. Didn't expect one because the Saints had like 10 coaches out and uh, Ian Book was calling substitutions, their rookie quarterback from Notre Dame. Uh, so, you know, obviously there's going to be some sort of discrepancy there. But yeah, once again, just goes to show, you know, another NFC matchup I want to highlight because I was watching this in the early session as well, Falcons, Bucks. You would, you would think the Buccaneers would just, you know, go crazy on the Falcons, given they have the worst secondary in the league. You'd be shocked to find that it was 28 to 25 in the third quarter. You would be so shocked that it was 28 to 25 in the third quarter before Matt Ryan, just two horrendous pick sixes. So, uh, yeah. I, I guess to be fair, the, the Buccaneers offense did go off on the secondary. It's the defense that was a little suspect there. <laughs> yeah, no, no, 100%. Uh, but yeah. I think if you had to look at week two as a whole and you say, what, what, what can I learn from this week going into week three? It is that you can never count out any team. You can never surely say this team is going to win a hundred percent unless you're playing the lions or the jets. Uh, you know, any team can win on any given Sunday minus those two teams. Uh, sorry, sorry, Lions fans. Sorry, Jets fans. Hey, but- hey, even, even the lions, I'll tell you, they came back week one, week two, Gave the Packers a little bit of run for their money until, mm. until Aaron Jones decided to take take things over. But mm, I don't know how much of the my trust I'm gonna put in that Lions defense, <laughs> but we'll 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 we move, we move. Um all right, yeah, we move to week three. And just before we actually start picking our games, uh, you know, there are so many games this week, uh, just an amazing slate of football. We have an AFC South battle in Tennessee, Colts Titans. Uh, Chargers Chiefs, Justin Herbert versus Kansas City. You should definitely keep your eye out for that one. Uh, Bears Browns, that's an underrated game right there. Justin Fields making his first NFL uh, career start. Uh, Saints Patriots in New England, another game of great head coaches, great, you know, great offensive mind, Sean Payton, going up against a great defensive mind and Bill Belichick. Washington football team going into Buffalo. You know, that, that looks to be an interesting game as well. Um, and even Seahawks Vikings, right? You talk about a Seattle team coming off a loss at Tennessee and an explosive Vikings offense that we saw on Sunday. So that, you know, so many good games, but none of them is going to top this game, which might, you know, might be an early candidate for game of the year. The Los Angeles Rams. Welcome the Buccaneers to LA. Sabic, what do you see happening in this game between two Super Bowl contenders? Yeah, th- this is top notch right here. It kind of brings me back vibes. You know, last week, last year, we had a similar Packers Bucks game. We were all getting hyped for that. It didn't necessarily live up to it, but this has that kind of hype to it. Yeah, th- this could be a preview down the road to the NFC Championship. Who's to say? But I think the biggest thing here is for me is going to be what defense is really going to step up because both of these offenses theme theme of the year so far really has been high flying offenses, defenses just letting up big plays, which of these defenses is going to step up. You know, we saw the Ravens defense step up. We saw the Titans defense step up. We've been talking about these games. My question is which defense is going to step up and really propels their team to victory. Yeah, and evidence would point that to the Rams, in my opinion. I think you've seen Jalen Ramsey um, 
you know, I want to know, I want to know a scheme change that the Rams have made. Uh, Jalen Ramsey is a physical corner. And what they're, what the Rams have done defensively is they've put him in this hybrid linebacker slash corner role, which allows him to play more up to the line of scrimmage. And it has worked so effectively for the LA Rams. Uh, Jalen Ramsey has put up the highest amount of tackles and tackles for losses in his career already in the season. And it's just incredible what they've been able to do schematically with Jalen Ramsey. And he is all over the field. So that is an amazing plus for the LA Rams. And we don't have to mention what they can do up front with Aaron Donald and, you know, a lot heavy, you know, uh, what's it called? Uh, a lot of movement on that defensive line to confuse offensive lines. Uh, we saw the pressure they were able to get against uh, uh, against Carson Wentz, and then how were they able to hit him all day? I was wrong on that call. I thought that you know the Colts' offensive line would be able to let up, hold up, but you know uh, the Rams had constant pressure on Sunday. So evidence honestly points me to the LA Rams being one of the more balanced team coming into this game. I don't, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm just like. After that Falcons game, I, I just don't see a reason to be confident in the Bucks defense to perform at a high level. Right. Yeah, no, definitely. That was um not the ideal showing by any means. Even against Tampa, uh, even even against Dallas, right? The defense wasn't on its A game. But again, Ray, it's all about matchups. It's about what's going to happen on a given Sunday. Again, there's no question that this defensive line can get after the pass rush, right? Um the Rams did play the Bears week one. That was a formidable defensive front. I think the offense looked fine in that one. Last week against the Colts as well, I guess close game. I know what, what would your take really be, the offensive line for the Rams against the Colts? How would you feel on it was, that? It was exceptional. Like, it was great. Great, okay. great offensive line play. All right. Yeah, so we're rolling with that, right? I guess the signs point to the Rams being the more balanced team. So – I'm going to defer to you. What do you have to say first in terms of – I mean, look, look, look. Here's what I've been seeing. Like, Sean McVay now doesn't need the run game to get things going. He can just rely on Matt Stafford's arm. And, you know, these past few weeks, Sean McVay has had the liberty of having the run game work in his favor. So that opens up the play-action game. You you know, you, you see the highlights of Matthew Stafford just slinging it 60, 70 yards downfield. That's because of the play action game. That's because the run game is working. But I think the thing, the difference between the Jared Goff led Rams and the Matthew Stafford led Rams is that Jared Goff needed the run game to get going. Matthew Stafford doesn't need the run game to get going. So Sean McVay's ability to really just rely on Matthew Stafford's arm to get them through the game. I think that's an underrated aspect moving in. And I think that that actually might be what propels them to victory against the Buccaneers. And I'm going to pick them here uh, being the more balanced team. They have a lot of plus upside uh, things that they can do with this uh, uh, offense, both offense and defense. There's a lot of schematic things. That I like what the Rams are doing. I just think this team adapts to the situation. And if, you know, something happens against the Bucs, they're going to be able to adapt and win on Sunday. Yeah, definitely. Um, I don't feel too strongly necessarily about one team or the other, but what I do want to say, right, kind of the way things have been going recently in, in this season so far, it's been offensive football, right? If we do get into a shootout, I'm asking myself, how do I feel, right? And in, in, in the scenario that I, I do see this being a high scoring game, um, 
at least 27 points for both teams. Would you agree on that? At least 27? Yeah. yeah. At least 27. Right. In, in that scenario, you know, if it turns into who has the ball last, who's going to go down the field, I, I don't know. In that situation, I'm leaning Buccaneers. I'm going to pick the Bucs here. And it's not because I think the Buccaneers are going to blow this team out. They're going to dominate anything like that. It's going to be a close game, if anything. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I would not be surprised to see the Rams win at all. As I said, again, it comes down to defense. And although the Bucs defense hasn't shown it, I definitely think they're more than capable of holding their own in this game. It's not going to be easy by any means, but I'm going to go Bucks because I like their offense, what they're doing right now. I think it's going to be another 300-plus game for Tom Brady. Even though that Rams defense is, is doing well, you, you don't agree on that? Not 300 plus? No, no, no. I, I, I agree on that. I was just, I'm just like mentally thinking the fact that like this dude is 45 and he's like literally on pace to like break every record because of 17 <laughs> weeks and he's throwing for like 300 yards and five touchdowns yeah. like every week. Yeah. Age is not a factor at all. But again, just to solidify why I'm picking this pick here. Even though I said which defense is probably going to win the game, I think the Bucks defense will do just fine. Not going to do anything crazy, but I think the Bucks offense would be the reason they prevail. Yeah, watch this end up being a low-scoring game. Like watch it, like you know, everyone's coming into this thing and shoot out, shoot out, shoot out. Watch, yeah. watch both defenses yeah. just dominate the game. It's going to yeah. be like fourteen to like ten or something like that. Right, and I think in that event, right, it would really be offensive mistakes that lead to that. You know, yeah, forcing the ball down the field, things like that. And, and you've kind of talked about, you know, it's hard to run the ball, right, on Tampa Bay. If you start getting into like third and eights, third and tens, Matthew Stafford trying to chuck the ball down the field, that's sort of things we could see. And definitely, he's capable, of course, going toe to toe with Tom Brady, no question about it. But. All I know, I'm gonna. I know exactly what I'm gonna be doing 4:25 p.m. on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no question. Um, all right, let's get into the upset of the week picks here. Yeah. Um, just to you know, set the bar straight here. Sotvik is two and zero after uh, picking the Titans last week, and did you pick the week before? Uh, the pick the Raiders to go into. Against Baltimore, Raiders against Baltimore. After picking uh, the Titans last week and the Raiders the week before, and uh, unfortunately, I am 0-2. Uh, so we'll be looking to get back on the comeback trail here uh, this week. Yeah. Uh, Satvik, you want to go first? What do you have? Yeah. What, yeah, what is your upset of the week pick? Yeah. Hey, season's young, you know. It's only a two-game differential. And, and I actually really like this. Uh, Arnav, you kind of, like, brought this – upset of the week thing to this new season and I think it really forces you to really think about which of these teams is really going to you know it, it makes you really think which, which team is going to pull off the upset and that's and that's kind of a big thing in the NFL too right no matter what you do there's going to be upsets and being able to decipher which game is going to be that it's a fun little activity if you will but I'm gonna I'm gonna go here um I so I first want to make a statement let's be all clear here after I make this pick, people are going to call me a Seattle hater. That's not who I am. If you listened to the show last year, you know I was so high on Seattle. I had them as a Super Bowl team for so long. I thought they are going to be the first seed, all that good stuff. If anything, Seattle did me dirty last year. But I'm going to go with the Vikings in the, in the upset. And this is not me saying the Vikings are a better football team than Seattle. They're going to destroy them. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying at home. High-flying offense with the Minnesota. I think their defense is capable. Daniel Hunter is a dog. The secondary, hopefully, and they hold up. 
Um, as for Russell Wilson in Seattle, I think the offensive line is still a question mark. It's not elite or anything by any means. Are they good? Yeah, Seattle's good. But I think Minnesota is good as well. And at home, I just have a feeling about this team. And I think they're hungry too. That's another thing we're not talking about, right? Oh, and two. I'm hearing Dalvin Cook say things like, you know, we, we, we got to turn it around, man. We got three straight home games. I just have a feeling I'm going with Minnesota. We're going to see what happens. Seattle, you got Seattle starting one and two. I do, I do. But we'll all see. I heard, all I hear is certified Seattle hater. That's all I hear. <sighs> that's, that's, that, that's not who I am, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, all right. Uh, people are going to call me crazy for this pick, but uh, here we go. Nonetheless, um, I'm going to pick Trevor Lawrence to get his first NFL win at home against the Cardinals. Now, sounds crazy at first. Um, Kyler Murray has been, once again, like I said, he is the third best quarterback in the league, in my opinion. He has been going off and off every week, um, as well for my fantasy team. Great. It was a great pickup in the fifth round. Uh, But here's what I'm going to say. The Cardinals always have these boneheaded losses, these boneheaded losses that they just dropped. Last year, early in the year, it was to Detroit. I think this year it's to Jacksonville. And one, the one thing that I did notice watching uh, the Vikings uh, play the Cardinals was that the Cardinals, for as good of a linebacking core and as good of a front seven they have, they can't stop the run for their lives. They, they just can't. Dalvin Cook was running wild. He was hitting those holes hard. And when it, when it came time to, you know, passing situations, Kirk Cousins was easily able to get it to Dalvin Cook for the first down. Um, and I just think that versatility that we saw out of Dalvin Cook might be something that Urban Meyer, you know, this week in preparation says, oh, look, you know, James, Rob- James, James Robinson, you can fill that Dalvin Cook role and, you know, really step up and be that guy. Because really it's been underwhelming the way that Urban Meyer has used James Robinson uh, these past few weeks. So I think this is the game to really get your star running back going. This is the game to take advantage of what is a weak Cardinals defense, in my opinion, Uh, not a weak Cardinals defense, but a weak Cardinals run defense. Um, And I think if that gets going, I think we've seen Trevor Lawrence's ability to drop some absolute dimes. If he just plays a clean game and he has the run game going for him, I think there's a decent sized chance that Jackson will wins. And, you know, you put in a formula with the fact that the Cardinals drop these random games. Sometimes I think, I think the stars aligned for Jacksonville to upset the Cardinals at home. Yeah. That, that phrase we just used there stars align, right? For this to the Jaguars to pull this one off, a lot's going to have to go their way and a lot's going to have to go against Arizona, but yeah. Hey, again, hey, it was a tough week to pick upsets because this is like a yeah. really great week of football, like yeah. a lot of balanced teams. Yeah. So yeah, and, and a big one we were talking about was San Francisco uh, taking on Green Bay Sunday night. That was an upset we were feeling, and for us right on this show, that's an upset definitely. But Vegas does not think so apparently. Last yeah, I checked, that was oh bro, what <laughs> they have they have a what I think three point favorites. I uh, if I if I'm correct, I had them. They had them at three and a half. I can check real quick just so we're factually correct here on the show. But um, yeah, and again, right? Would I be surprised to see San Francisco win? Absolutely not. Do I but, favor them? No. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. I mean, can you just see what Aaron Rodgers did to Detroit? 
Um, right. And the San Francisco doesn't have the best secondary either. They, there's, there's no, yeah. they're not out of the world secondary. Yeah. So, I guess we'll see. What I will say, though, like what I will say is the Packers old line was not good. Week one and even week two, there were some instances where you saw a lot of breakdown on the offensive line. And considering the fact that they're, they're starting two rookies, it might not bode well against, you know, Nick Bosa in that, in that front line. So I'm, it's going to be interesting to see what pressures uh, the Niners defense is able to dial up. Yeah. And just for anyone who was interested, I just checked. The 49ers started out as a two and a half point favorite, and now they're a three and a half point favorite. That means people are betting on San Francisco. I don't know about. I think, I think I think they took the term upset a bit too seriously. <laughs> yeah. Now, well, you you get um yeah, but yeah, three and a half points spread. So we'll see, we'll see. Anyways, with that being said, thank you for listening to the fifty second episode of the Backfield Grip. Be sure to tune in next week where we'll recap week three and take a look at the week four action ahead. Until then, it's been Sat Vikshunavas and Arnav Rastogi. Stay safe and take care.